0: Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Now, I, want, I do want to um, share this statement. I took some time um, over the weekend or, or in preparation for today to write up a little bit of a statement regarding the season and the, and the time that we are in. Uh, and I think it's a good precursor to the message that I want to share with you this morning. And I do want to make sure this is recorded because I want us to put this out on our social media <clears throat> this week. As you well know, there is mass hysteria going on currently, not just in our nation, but around the world. As the coronavirus spreads across country lines public reaction is becoming more and more pronounced and fearful. In my lifetime, the last time I saw such panic in the hearts of people was perhaps during September 11th, 2001, when our nation came under the most significant military attack since Pearl Harbor. We survived and thrived then, and we'll do the same in the coming weeks. Such unsettling times are thankfully infrequent in the United States, and for that, we can thank God as well as the men and women who make our nation the greatest country on the planet. These moments, these moments of panic, although rare in our country, are significant and often can shape the future. The great revivalist Leonard Ravenhill is quoted as saying, Opportunities of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Moments such as these in our culture require the church to rise up rather than sit down, to advance rather than retreat, and to be visible rather than be hidden. The opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel is right now, And we must seize it while it is near. Yesterday morning, my pastor texted me to let us know that he was praying for our church and praying for our teams. In his message, he included a quote from A.W. Tozer, which many of you may have heard or seen this week. The quote reads, A fearful world needs a fearless church. He went on to say in his text, Josh, this is our time to shine. While it, was challenging, while it was a challenging decision for us to make, we felt that it was important for us to conduct our services this morning as scheduled. You see, we believe that as the church of Jesus Christ, we actually have the answers, the faith, and the hope that our world so desperately needs right now. And as for our church, our church, which happens to be the only church that we can answer for, We believe that this was the right decision for this weekend. There are hundreds of thousands of churches around the country this morning, large and small, each with differing circumstances, responsibilities, and challenges to overcome. They are proceeding to operate the way that God is leading them, and we trust that. We are not them, and they are not us. The circumstances, responsibilities, peoples, and laws surrounding them may be totally different from the ones surrounding us. We're doing what we feel the peace of God is leading us to do, and as such, we will not judge or speak poorly of what any other church or ministry does, no matter how similar or how different it may look to the activities here at HCCC. As your pastor, I want to promise you the following. We will not be afraid. We will take each week as it comes. We will make decisions and adjustments as we are led to do so by the Spirit of God. We will abide by the laws of the land so long as those laws don't cause us to compromise our faith in Jesus. We will continue to preach and demonstrate the Word of God. We will continue to serve and give with radical and selfless generosity. And just like a train, which requires two tracks to run on, we will glide along right through this momentary crisis on the tracks of both faith and wisdom. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Boone, North Carolina, and we're not going anywhere. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I've been hearing so much and reading so much on social media and seeing people's reaction to stuff. And it grieves my heart because I have friends in ministry who are all over the spectrum when it comes to influence, size of ministry, location, what their position is and how they feel that this situation and crisis is affecting people. I got friends all over the spectrum. And I keep seeing people on the church That are you know strong claim to be strong faith-filled people bashing other churches for closing, and I'm like that ain't right, man. We don't know what God has led them to. We don't know what their situation is. Our pastors in um in uh, north of Boston they have two thousand people in their church that they have to protect that they're responsible to shepherd, and so the decisions they make are totally different from the decisions we make. Right? And we got to trust that the Lord's leading uh, churches all over the nation, all over our county and our state. So we're going to do what we know to do and what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. And so in the coming days, you'll hear more as we make decisions, if we make any decisions. I'm not under pressure to do nothing, praise God, because God is God. I'm not going to come under pressure. Amen? We're not going to come under pressure. So, uh, so I want to make that statement and just uh, you know, be here as your pastor and as your leader, to stand firm. I believe that people in moments like this need need to be able to look to their, their church as a place of safety and refuge from what's going on in the crazy stuff that's happening in this world. So, amen. That having been said, I feel like preaching the doors off this building this morning, and so I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 14. Amen. I've, I think people have been paralyzed by fear coma, and I, I want to flip the script this morning and preach to you until the devil is the one that's afraid, because he's been making people afraid all week, and it's time that he gets a taste of his own medicine. Amen. So turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 14. As you're turning, I'll pray over us, and then we'll make our confession of faith, and we'll proceed like a normal Sunday. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity that we have to come and gather before your word, to come and have a seat at the table where you have prepared for us a banquet. And we trust you this morning, Lord. We lean not on the confidence of our own flesh. We look not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge you and we trust that you will direct and guide our path. Thank you for being our peace, our savior, our safety and our protection. Thank you that no evil can befall us and no plague can come near our dwelling this morning. We look to you for everything today, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 So what we're gonna do, well, let's go ahead and make our confession of faith this morning. You can see it up there on the, on the screen. Let's read it out loud together today. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you. My heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen? Despite the circumstances, we're still growing. Amen? How many of you know that despite the virus going around, there's plants out there that are still going to put leaves on their, on their branches, that there's birds out there that have no idea what's going on. They're still tweeting and chirping and singing. I was talking with uh, my, my, ge- my dear friend, Wes, uh, Pastor Wes Berry, the other day, and, uh, and we were laughing. We said, you know, there's got to be somebody way out in Ashe County that hasn't turned on his TV in the last couple weeks. He's only been to the store to get feed a couple times. He probably don't know what's going on, and he's having a blast living his life, going, hey, spring is here, you know. It's amazing how when we disconnect from the source of fear, it's so much easier to connect to a source of faith, which is Christ. Amen. Um, So what we want to do today, I'm going to share with you, and the title of my message is Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, which you see in John chapter 14, verse 1. I'm not going to preach for very long today because I I want to make sure that we have time to pray and um, that we have time. If you do have any questions for me or for us, about how we've made our decisions and what we're going to do as we go forward. uh, I want you to be able to ask that question at the end of service. And we're also going to take communion together today. So it's going to be a really good time. Let me get my timer up here. I can't believe I forgot to do that before I started, but let's see here. All right, I'm ready to go. John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus is speaking here, and you can see it up on your screens. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I read that scripture in a bunch of different translations this week, and I'm trying to remember which specific translation it was. But Jesus, when he says, you believe in God, he posed it as a question. You believe in God, don't you? Well, then believe also in me. In other words, you trust the Lord, so trust what I'm saying to you right now, is what Jesus is saying. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is not only giving us direction in this verse, but within his command is the grace and the ability to actually fulfill it. That's a very important thing for us to understand, not just in this verse, but in every verse that we read in every verse in scripture when god is giving you a command he's not just giving you a command but in the command is the grace that you need to actually fulfill the command when jesus tells us not to fear he's not just telling us that we should he's telling us that we can amen he's saying don't be afraid And it's not just that he's telling us that, he's giving us the ability to not be afraid. It's like when you bought a toy as a child and the batteries were included. Do y'all remember that? Probably mostly for boys because I think most dolls don't have batteries in them and stuff. But a lot of the toys that I played with as a boy, you had to have batteries. And some of them were like batteries not included. And some of them were, the batteries were in there. Praise God. We don't have to go digging through drawers to find batteries. Well, it's the same concept when the Lord gives us a direction, when he gives us a command. When Jesus says, don't be afraid, there's batteries included. Amen. You, can, you can plug in and immediately start not being afraid just because you heard him say it. Yeah. Amen. That's why the Bible says in John chapter 1 that when Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth. The truth that he gives you is the standard for your life. The grace that comes with the truth is what allows you to be able to live the standard that he gave you. You see? Isn't that powerful? And it happens all over the scripture. When, when Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment with ability attached to it. There's batteries included. There's batteries included. Amen. Be strong in the Lord. Oh, wait, I just feel myself getting stronger. Just hearing it. Amen. So this is what Jesus is doing for us in this verse. And I want to take apart the word troubled or troubled. This is a very important word. In fact, when you read this verse in the Greek language, the word let is actually not in the Greek. And the word your is not there in the Greek. It's, it would read not troubled your heart. You see that? Not troubled your heart is the way that it reads literally in the Greek. So the idea of let is actually connected to the word trouble, okay? So when they translated this out of that original language, they added the proper amount of English words so that the sentence would make sense to us. But the idea of letting is connected, is actually contained in that word trouble. The word trouble means to agitate, to cause inward commotion, to take away one's calmness of mind, To strike one's spirit with fear and dread. Wow. This word is often used in the Greek context, was often used to describe the troubling of water. When you see water getting frothed up, that's this idea of this word troubled. When the enemy comes to you and comes to me, he comes with the sole purpose of troubling you on the inside of stirring and frothing up the water of your heart, if I could say it that way. Anybody ever had anybody ever had a, a two liter of Coke and you just shake it up? I'm doing it like this so it'll pick up on the microphone. You just shake it, shake it, shake it. What happens? It'll blow. That's what the devil does to us. Come to your heart to try to shake and agitate and stir and froth the water of your heart so that you blow up, right? Jesus is teaching us that that's not the way he wants us to live. How many of us could say that when fear comes, as, the, as, the, um, as that word definition says, when fear comes, it strikes our heart with dread? Anybody besides me ever been there? Yeah? How many of us could say that's happened in the past seven days? Anybody? In other words, it's not a quiet thing. When fear comes and when dread comes, it can often be sudden and alarming. I, as I was reading this and looking at this definition, I immediately thought back to the scripture, the second half of Isaiah 59, 19, which says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. How many of you have ever felt the enemy come in like a flood? Oh, yeah. Amen. But how many of you know when that happens, it's the spirit of the Lord that will lift you up. There's the spirit of the Lord that will raise a standard against him. Yeah. Yes. Now, the unique thing about this Greek word troubled is the three inflections that are used in the Greek language. And for the next 90 seconds, I'm going to ask you to put on your Greek nerd hat with me. And let's just, it won't be too painful, I promise. Just put your nerd hat on with me for just a second. And let's, let me share with you the three inflections that come with this Greek word. This word is used here, and it is present, passive, imperative. Present, passive, imperative. What does that mean? Present means it's something something happening right now. Duh. Right? Present tense. The troubling of the water, it's happening right now. It's not something going to happen. It's it's different from when the enemy tries to tempt you into believing something bad will happen. And it's different from something that happened in the past. It's present. Second, it's passive, meaning that it's happening to you coming from the outside. Oftentimes, the troubling of the enemy is not from within you. It's something coming from the outside trying to get access to your heart it's passive. And then third, it is imperative. It's a command with a strong emphasis. That's where we get the word let in the English translation of that verse. When it says, let not your heart be troubled. It's an imperative command with strong emphasis. In other words, Jesus is saying this, and in the Greek, it's in all capitals, bolded with like four exclamation points. It's imperative. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't Don't, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. So, having defined this word and understanding these three Greek inflections, present passive imperative, we could translate this verse this way. There's an agitation and an inward commotion. That is coming right now from the outside world to strike your spirit with fear and dread. Don't let it into your heart. Amen. 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 Let me read that for you one more time. We could translate this verse to read like this. There is an agitation and an inward commotion that is coming right now from the outside world to strike your spirit with fear and dread. Don't let it into your heart. Amen. 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 Jesus is not playing games. And again, he's given us the grace that we need to actually live this scripture. So when he says, don't let your heart be troubled, you need to know you have the supernatural ability, just because you heard him say that, just because you read that he said that, you have the ability to go beyond your own ability and obey and not let your heart be troubled. You can go to sleep tonight and sleep great. You can wake up tomorrow and go to work and feel great. Amen. You don't have to be afraid. You see, the problem with pandemics, the problem with viruses, apart from the fact that they can do damage, they often come following a wave of fear, especially in the 21st century when we're so connected to everything that's happening. I remember I was thinking of this again, I, I tend to think about this whenever Whenever I see something in the media that's happening on the other side of the world, it, I always have the same kind of thought reaction, which is I can remember hearing the stories of when my grandparents came to this country from Italy. My mom, or excuse me, my, my mom's older brother and my grandmother came on a boat across the Atlantic. It took them over a month to get from the port in Rome through the Mediterranean all the way to New York. And that's just something that's so foreign to us. My grandmother would tell me when we were little kids, she would say, I came here with $5 and a suitcase. And that was it. And there were so many people got sick on their boat when they came over. It was really, it was kind of a nasty situation. But now, we don't have that kind of slow travel. They used to, when, when my mom would want to uh, write letters to her grandmother in Italy, they would write them and they would date them and it would take them six weeks for the letter to get from New York over to Italy and then take another six weeks for it to get back. Shoot your different people by the time you got the response back. I mean, you know, if, if uh, Uncle Luigi was, was you know, about to die when you wrote the letter, he's been buried for a month by the time that you got the letter back, right? Now it's like, you know, Kim Jong-un farts, and we hear about it on Twitter in nine seconds. Like, it just, something happens on the other side of the world, and we're so connected to it. And what happens is, that brings with it a a tidal wave of fear-filled anticipation. The reason everybody is scared right now is is because they're expecting something bad to happen to them. All right? That's why most people are afraid. Not everybody in this room Y'all are not because you're here. You're not curled up in the floor at home, you know, waiting for something bad to happen. Amen. Amen. And I'm not being mean. I'm just being real. We're not nervous because we don't expect anything bad to happen to us because we expect that we dwell in the safety and protection of the Lord, that he's our son and our shield, as the Bible says. The Bible says he surrounds us with favor as a shield. The Lord is my son and my shield, the Bible says. It says in Psalm 27 that when my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will never forsake me. He will hide me in the secret place of his tabernacle. He will cover me, Psalm 91 says, with his feathers, and I'll take refuge in him. And I don't have to be afraid. I won't fear of the peril that's going on around me because I'm safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a story that I want to read a part of and summarize for you before we close and have communion. It comes from Exodus chapter 12, and I'm going to summarize the story for you. It's when, and many of you are probably familiar with this already. It's when Moses went before Pharaoh to retrieve and rescue the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And you know the story. Moses recruits his brother Aaron and says, All right, Aaron, eh, 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 let's go into Pharaoh's palace and we're going to tell him, Let my people go. And you know, Pharaoh gets kind of ticked and says, No, I'm not going to do that. And they go back and forth and they trade miracles. You know, and the, Moses throws a stick on the ground, turns into a serpent, and it eats the, serp- it eats the sticks of the other. Egyptian guys and the Lord just keeps demonstrating his supremacy over Egypt. And and so what happens is Pharaoh gets to the place where he's like, "No, I'm not going to let your people go." And so God says, "Okay, well, I'm going to judge the land of Egypt then." And he puts out these different plagues. The final plague, the 10th plague, is when the angel of death, whom the Bible calls the destroyer, comes through the land of Egypt. To strike the firstborn of the entire land. And this is where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 12. This, this angel of death, this destroyer, is about to visit the land, but before it does, God makes a promise to his people. And in verse 21, we see Moses talking. Exodus 12 verse 21, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts. With the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts. The Lord will pass over the door. And not allow the destroyer to come into your houses and strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons. Forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord shall give you, just as He promised that you shall keep this service. This is the very first Passover that ever happened in the land of Israel. And that Passover here did, it involved just what we just read, which is every man took for himself a lamb for his household slaughtered that lamb and collected the blood from that lamb and took hyssop and dipped hyssop into a basin of that animal's blood and smeared that on the doorposts and the entryway of their house. And when the destroyer came to the house, the destroyer knew it could not pass through the door where the blood had been smeared. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you, John the Baptist, while he is baptizing people in the River Jordan, looks up one day and says, as he sees Jesus walking down the road, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, everything that God commanded Moses to do in Exodus chapter 12 was a prophetic picture. It was a type It was something, it was a demonstration, an act, if you will, that is demonstrating what was to come in the person of Jesus. So that Moses was looking forward into the future to see that there was going to come a sacrifice that would redeem the people of God. You and I don't have to look to the future. We have the advantage of looking back over our shoulder and looking back at the cross. Jesus hanging on the cross is the same lamb that was, that was slain for your household and for mine. So when we believe and we receive his word, we prophetically take hyssop and we take his blood and we smear it on the entrance of our heart. And we know that when we're covered in the blood of Jesus, the destroyer cannot penetrate where the blood has been smeared. Amen? The destroyer does not have a right to have access to you. The blood of the lamb stands as a line of protection around us and around our households. Jesus is the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Every single Christian can look to him as the lamb for their house. His blood gives us immunity from the curse. God's not the cause of the coronavirus, folks. He's the answer. Amen. You got a lamb in your house this morning. You can sleep just as soundly as Moses and Aaron and their families slept with their head on the pillow, not worried about the angel of death because I, I checked, there's blood on my house. There's a line of demarcation around me and mine called the blood of the lamb and the the destroyer has zero choice. Amen? Don't be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, don't you? Believe also in the words of Jesus. Amen? So, in closing today, how, what, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? How do we pray? The simple answer is that we do what we always do to the best of our ability. You remember when World War II was happening and, the, and the, the British Parliament released the statement that you would see on all kinds of signs and then, you know, 50 years later, some hipster put it on a T-shirt and it says, keep calm and carry on. Y'all remember that statement? Keep calm and carry on? You'll have seen that on pictures, haven't you? Well, that's, what the, that's what the British Parliament said to the people of England during World War II when Hitler p- got through the barricades and inv- invaded France and started to bomb uh, on the beaches in uh, France. They knew that he was coming for England. And the British, pu- the British didn't want to alarm the public, so they said, keep calm and carry on. When you hear air raid sirens, keep going. It's going to be all right. And I would say the same thing to us today. Keep calm and carry on. Faith carries on in the same way regardless of the circumstances. Amen. If you look for fear, you'll find it. (laughs) If you look for fear, you'll find it. Wherever we remove faith, hear hear, hear me now. Wherever... (laughs) Hear me now. Hear me now. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Sorry, I just thought of Bob Marley. Hear me now, people. Anytime that you remove faith, it creates a vacuum that will be filled by something negative. I promise you. I told my wife this week, I've had the best time with the Lord this week. I have had the best time with Jesus this week. On Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning, I went for a walk. I haven't gone for a walk (laughs) in a long time. I haven't gone for a walk. I I had a little bit of time to kill before an appointment, before I had a meeting on Thursday, and I'm like, it's beautiful. Remember how sunny it was on Thursday? We're like, wow, this is great. Yeah, I'm going to take advantage of it. I stopped at the Greenway and just did a couple laps with me and Jesus. And I just had a scri- one scripture, Romans 8.32, if you care, uh, is, is one scripture that was on my heart, and I just walked, I didn't hardly say two words, it was just me and the Lord having an internal inside dialogue, and I had so much peace, I was listening to the birds tweet, and I was just having a blast. And I said to Brianne, I said, you know, it's been so, e- I feel like it's been so easy this week to not be afraid of the coronavirus, and I realized Why? I just haven't been entertaining the news. I haven't been entertained. I've just like intentionally disconnected. And people say, well, then you're not going to be informed. No, trust me, I'll be informed. I got enough people around me that will tell me everything I need to know that I need to know. And everything I don't need to know, I don't need to know. And I'm going to disconnect from it on purpose so that I can keep my heart in peace. And here's what I realized. When you disconnect from fear... Faith becomes so easy. I have not struggled one ounce to stir up my faith so that I'll be confident. It's my default setting because I'm just not listening to fear. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you and I will just disconnect from what the talking heads are saying, trust me, you'll still get all the information you need just disconnect from what they're saying and intentionally just be with Jesus, faith will be no problem. It will be so easy. You'll be like, oh my God, I have faith. I didn't, I didn't even try. Amen. So, what do we do? Simple answer, keep carrying on. One of the best ways to keep your heart from fear is to treat every day as though it's a normal day. We can do a few things, and I'm going to share with you a few things that you can write down if you want to. We can comply with recommendations from the medical experts, a.k.a. wash your stinking hands. It's gross how many people are washing their hands for the first time on a regular (laughs) basis. (laughs) Okay, Makes me want to reconsider giving everybody hugs when it's normal. No, yeah, I mean, listen, just use wisdom in public, you know, and just wash your hands. Everybody's worried about large group gatherings, and I'm like, what about the large group gathering at Walmart? You know, you're going in there, you know, covert to get some toilet paper. (laughs) We're probably exposed to more when we do that. There was somebody, you know, y'all know the band uh, Panic at the Disco, Panic at the Disco? I saw somebody made a meme this week that said panic at the Costco and it just showed showed a picture of people with carts and carts of water bottles and listen guys, we're going to be fine. Use wisdom in public, wash your hands. I I was thinking about what um, Benjamin Franklin said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You can still be smart, okay? Faith is not reckless, amen. That's why I said in the opening statement, a train requires two tracks to run. You can't run a train with just one track. One of those tracks is wisdom. The other track is faith. And we can glide right through the situation on both of those two tracks. I'm reminded of what Perry, uh, Perry, Pastor Larry Stockstill says, it's better to put a fence at the top of the cliff than park an ambulance at the bottom. Okay, right? Better to put a fence at the top, park an ambulance at the bottom. So, uh, Comply with the recommendations. Wash your hands. Use wisdom in public. Stop buying so much toilet paper. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Seriously, though. Seriously, seriously, seriously. Stockpiling. Let me tell you something. Stockpiling feeds your doubt, and it feeds your fear. Okay? It feeds your doubt, and it feeds your fear. I guarantee you, if y'all are anything like us, you got... Four months worth of food in your pantry right now, okay? Even if it's a little stale. I got enough tuna fish in my house. I'll be fine, okay? Right? Stockpiling feeds your doubts and your fear. Don't be a prepper, okay? Don't be a prepper. They're some of the most paranoid people on the planet. Just comply with the wisdom of what we're being told from our health experts and then make a decision not to participate in the hysteria. And don't let what's happening deter your generosity. If anything, ramp it up. I read about somebody that went and bought four cases of toilet paper, and they went around in their neighborhood giving it to people. Go into to every house, and they taped a little note that said, just in case you need this, we got plenty, and we're praying for you. Let us know if you need anything. That's generosity. That's the church. That's being the hands and feet of Jesus. Don't pull back. If anything, move forward. This is the time for the church to stand up, not sit down. We do not need to be invisible. We need to be right out on the front line going, all of our training has prepared us for this moment. This is what we were born for, guys. To be the light of the world, to be the hope, to be a city set on a hill. Don't put a bushel over your light. Come on. Amen. And then two more things, two more things. Guard your conversations. I understand we want to know what's happening, but guard your conversations. Know what's happening and don't participate in the hysteria. Finally, take communion. We're going to take communion here today as we close, pray together. Our president has asked that today be a day of prayer. So we're going to take communion. They're going to start passing it out here in just a moment. And I want to encourage you to take communion at your house. Our kids don't have to go to school for two weeks, it's like a holiday. I was, I was talking to a guy last week, and he was like, man, it's about to get crazy. I said, man, it's about to get boring, because <laughs> everybody, everybody's going to be home going, what do we do? You know? It's not going to get crazy. It's going to get really boring. But it's a great time to catch up on spring cleaning. Amen. Our kids are going to be home with us in the next couple weeks and we're going to take communion on a regular basis together as a family because it's a great opportunity to drill down into what we know is true. One final question. How do we pray? Pray in faith, not in panic. Pray in faith, not in panic. And pray consistently. This is a great time for those who haven't developed a prayer life and a prayer habit to start one. Amen. Listen. Your kids are going to be home. You're not going to be waking up as early. You're going to have time, right? That's amen. Yeah, I'm not going to be waking up as early. Glory to God. No, we're going to, aren't we going to have time? We're going to have a little extra time in our mornings. Develop a prayer habit if you don't have one. This is a great time for it. And then finally, gather prayer or gather scriptures that you can pray with confidence and insert you and your family, into the scripture as you're praying it over yourself. As the communion elements are being passed, I'm going to read Psalm 91 for you. And I want you to make this a banner scripture in your household. And I want you to pray it over yourself. Thank you, sir. I want you to pray it over yourself and over your family, inserting your name into it. I'll show you exactly what I mean. Psalm 91, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Actually, I'll let let me let the the communion elements go by so we can all do this together. Hmm. <laughs> oh. I'm telling you guys, this is not put on. I am so relaxed. I could fall asleep standing up here. I'm so relaxed. And you can be too. It's not. I'm just saying, it's, it's not an act. I'm not putting it on. Psalm 91. And, and I'm going to read through this, and I'm going to do the very thing that I'm asking you to do, which is I'm going to insert myself into this verse as we read. I and my family who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler, watch this, and from the perilous pestilence. Surely he shall deliver me from the coronavirus. He shall cover me and my family with his feathers and under his wings we shall take our refuge. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. We shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by the day nor of the pestilence coronavirus that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look. Think about that for a second. Only with your eyes. How are you going to partake in the coronavirus epidemic, only with your eyes. I'm just going to look around. I'm so protected. I'm in my bubble of safety. Only with our eyes shall we look and see the reward of the, ric- the wicked. Because we have made the Lord, who is our refuge, even the Most High, our dwelling place. This is the scripture, guys. This is the one. Spray paint it on your forehead if you have to so that you remember it. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling place. He will give his angels charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. In their hands they shall bear up myself and my family, lest I dash My foot against a stone. We shall tread upon the lion and upon the cobra. The young lion and the serpent shall we trample underfoot. You know, I was reading that, and the Lord said, if you were to come face-to-face with a young lion, you'd have a much higher percentage of dying than you were if you were to come face-to-face with the coronavirus. (laughs) Right? Right? How many of you would rather get the coronavirus than be in a cage with a lion? Most of us, right? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If God's goodness is strong enough to keep you from the lion, don't you think he'll keep you from the coronavirus? I'm just going to leave that there. The young lion and the serpent shall we trample underfoot because we have set our love upon God. Therefore, he will deliver us. He will set us on high Because we have known his name. We shall call upon him and he will answer us. He will be with us in trouble. He will deliver us and honor us with long life. He will satisfy me and show me his salvation. You're not gonna die. You're not gonna die from this plague. You're not gonna die from this plague with long life you will be satisfied like one of my favorite preachers says the bible declares that the end shall be better than the beginning so if it's not better it's not the end amen if it's not better it's not over We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.